Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Creative Curmudgeon. My name is Jason Crone, and today I am joined by Alyssa Giannini, an Olympia-based artist who runs craft or DIY, which is basically an umbrella under which there are zines and stickers and buttons and other things. They also run uh, dodiy.org, which thank you for your service. It is <laughs> such an incredible website. I haven't I haven't tried to play a show outside of Arizona in many years, but when I was, that was a completely essential resource. I don't know where the DIY community would be without it. So thank you for running it, dodiy.org. Is there anything else that you want people to know about you? I guess not really <laughs> um i'm just doing a hundred projects so that i can name like right now i'm trying to start a clean air org in olympia uh i also host a biannual punk rock flea market that's masks required so just basically i do any unpaid job i can get my hands on <laughs> What's that been like? Because that 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 leads me into how we initially got acquainted was that I uh, I reached out because you posted a mask up the punks graphic um, on Instagram, which my partner found and reposted, and it seems so rare now in early twenty twenty four as this is being recorded that people under the DIY umbrella are that way or seem concerned about that. So I, uh, I thought that was rad. And I and I reached out and invited you on this. Um, what has that been like for you as far as organizing those kind of events? Like do people do people in Olympia seem pretty receptive to it? Is there a certain way that you're going about it that kind of makes it uh, more successful? I think we're like what I'm seeing later, like in 2023 and 2024 is that people are specifically like seeking out what I like, what my friends and I are doing. Cause it's, I have a friend that I co-organized the punk rock flea market with, but like people are like, oh, a masked event. I'm specifically applying for this reason or like going for this reason. And for the most surprising thing I've noticed, I think, is if you make it masks required and you give out masks, the people will just wear them. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. we've had very little pushback. Um, but it's just like, if it's not required, then it's basically impossible to enforce. Um, I think that once people see, like, there's a room of people wearing masks, they're like, oh, I just wear a mask. Like, peer pressure works. <laughs> Right. And yeah, in my experience, masked encouraged doesn't really mean anything. And if you're going to a show and you know that it's masked required, then most people will probably be okay with that to begin with. And if you're a jerk about it, you'll probably just go to the show at a bar instead or whatever. Totally. Tell me about the clean air organization that you're starting. What is that going to entail exactly? Well, I was getting frustrated because it's really hard to find venues in Olympia where we can like, where it's like a closed room where we can require masks because a lot of places are at like 
bars where there's like through traffic and it's just like like a back room at a bar you can't enforce masking there because there's just no way um so I decided to make a Corsi Rosenthal box and I like bought all the stuff and I was like well this will be like one layer that we can add to our shows to make them a little bit safer and then I was like hmm this thing is going to get destroyed immediately <laughs> like, I'm sorry but what is it called a Corsi Rosenthal box. So it's a very DIY way of making an air filter. Um, it's just like a box fan with several uh, HEPA filters, like duct taped to it, basically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I was kind of like, this will do for now, but I really want to have an actual air filter that like works for a bigger room. So right now I'm like scheming, making a website and then I'll be making a GoFundMe and hopefully we'll have a clean air org here. I've like learned everything I know from Clean Air Club Chicago. They have tons of resources on how to create your own org. Yeah, they seem awesome. I I, I know they do, they were doing stuff with Deerhoof. That's how I figured found out about them. And yeah, they seem super rad. Yeah. Tell me about what got you into making art to begin with. Uh compulsion <laughs> um I've definitely like ever since I was a kid I've drawn stuff uh and in my like teenage years I was introduced to zines at a show I actually overpaid for a shirt and a band was like here take this zine also and I was like a zine um, and since I've always been into writing and drawing, it was like a pretty seamless uh, transition. <laughs> um, how was there many resources when you because when I first found out about zines, it was in my teens and it was just kind of through the liner notes of punk albums of the time, like it might just come up in passing. But then in the suburbs of Phoenix, I think anywhere in Phoenix at the time. Now there's uh, a place, Wasted Ink, that does zines. But at yeah. the time, I don't think there was there was anything, and especially not in the suburbs. So like, I found out about this concept, and it seemed cool. But I certainly didn't know about zine fests or anything like that, or what to do from there, like where to get zines at all. Like, did you have kind of like a place to go to uh, expand your knowledge of that? Kind of, sort of. I was buying zines on like Etsy until I went to Philly Zine Fest, which was like my first real zine event. And I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> this is what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, where I grew up, there wasn't much of a zine scene. I grew up like very rurally and then I moved to like the smallest, closest city uh, when I moved out. And there were like a few people making zines, but like, they only just recently have a zine fest in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, now where I'm from. And I'm actually, it's their second year and I'm going to go table it this year. So that's exciting, full circle. But yeah, there wasn't much of a community for it. It was like, my zine community was like mostly online. Is that is that why you ended up moving to Washington was just for more artistic community or any kind of community? In a way, uh I have my partner moved out west when they got laid off because they're an architect and there's more work out here. And I pulled for Olympia because I love little cities with big art scenes. Um, mm -hmm. 
but yeah, it was like a little bit of the art community and also a little bit that it's hella queer here. <laughs> So you decide, I want to make a zine. <laughs> What then? um, I'm sorry that question's so broad, but like it, that that you have that <laughs> compulsion, and then like where do you go? that's real. So usually I will come up with an idea and it will nag me until I like put down some notes about it. Um, and then I usually write everything before I draw stuff um, and just kind of like lay it out and then figure out how I'm going to illustrate it. Um, not all of my zines are illustrated, but most of them are, with the exception of like, if I have an idea for a mini zine, that all kind of happens at the same time. Um, but yeah, I just like, I have lots of ideas for zines, but what gets made kind of depends on what won't leave me alone, <laughs> if that makes sense. Just like something that your mind just keeps returning to, like a band or whatever, and you want to express something about that thing. Like you basically like you feel like you can't not do it. Am I understanding that correctly? Yes, definitely. So does it usually come then first? So like, for instance, uh, the zines that, that you sent me, like the Elliott Smith scene, for instance, did it start with I'm going to make a zine and then it's like maybe it should be about Elliott Smith. Or was it like, I like Elliot Smith. You know what? I should make a zine about it. That particular zine, it actually started with uh, my friend Andrew made me a mixtape of Elliot Smith deep cuts. And it didn't have like a jacket or anything. So I just made my own little jacket for it that was featured the illustration on the cover <laughs> of that zine. And then I was like, I actually have a lot to say about the song, like some of the songs on this tape. And then I was like, what if I made a zine about it? And then I made a zine about it. Okay, so, so do do a lot of things kind of start that way where it's like you're making something and it might even be for yourself and then it's like, well, actually, this could be expanded upon and made public. Yeah, pretty much. Cool. My chronic oversharing is also a part of zines, I guess. Tell me about that. Like, what do you mean by chronic oversharing? Uh, I've just always been, like, in the early days of the internet, I had, like, live journal. And, like, I've always been drawn to, like, sharing and, like, connecting with other people. And I feel like blogging and zines are very similar in that regard that it's just like a tool to connect with other people Do you, do you prefer one to, or do you think, do you think one has more merits than the other? Like, do you think that the physical uh, copy of a zine or even like a PDF of a zine has like, does it feel like you're expressing things more fully than when you're doing it like on a blog? I feel like neither, like, I don't think one has more merit than another. I feel like when I make a zine, it's more intentional and polished than when I'm just like yelling into the void. Although the zines are effectively accomplishing the same thing. <laughs> I just love physical objects. yeah I was just kind of curious whether like the because I would imagine that there's a much slower process or at least in my experience of just like writing the shit down and then thinking of art to go with the shit 
versus <laughs> just like, you know, versus not, not that, like you said, neither one has more merit than the other, but it seems like, you know, it's like writing journal, journaling freehand versus just like typing something out, how you might, how there's like studies that like, you know, that makes you think things through differently or whatever. I don't know. I'm just rambling. But this does bring me to questioning the autobiographical zine category and it's something writing more autobiographically is something that I've always considered and I've considered doing it in a zine format and I was reading the the wanderer zine that you sent and was thinking and that reminded me like yeah that's something that I wanted to do but then I think like man that then I have to like print stuff out and then I'm going to like be embarrassed later by like this thing that I shared that I felt like I shouldn't have shared. And then like, nobody cares what I have to say anyway. And then, so that th this has been a, this has been an ongoing cycle for a lot of years about one thing or another, but I was curious since you have written autobiographical zines and done it well, I'm curious what you think makes for like a good autobiographical zine and in as, in as much as we can call things good or not good. Hmm. That's a good question. I feel like for me, like, like reading anything, I feel like it depends on the writing style. Like sometimes, I mean like particular content may be interesting to me if it's like something relatable. Um, but also just the way things are written, I feel like makes a big difference. I like to hope that my voice is like playful and engaging, which is also the same kind of zines that I seek out. Um, but you'd be surprised <laughs> when, like putting out per zines, just like what people do connect to. Um, and just like, I don't know, I mean like, at the end of the day, the worst thing, the worst case scenario, I guess, is that nobody reads your zine. <laughs> right. But like, that seems unlikely. Was there anybody who was particularly influential to you as far as finding your quote unquote voice? Is Tumblr a person? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um... Let's go with Tumblr. <laughs> I was very much like very active in uh, Tumblr and I feel like that has informed my writing style more than anything. Just like playful, like being playful and informal. Anyone in particular on Tumblr? Oh God, no, no, nobody's there anymore. <laughs> I can't remember anyone. But just like you would just come across like the, the, the vibe of Tumblr and then it would like, you would, yeah. you would kind of try to carry that sort of I don't know if lighthearted is the word but you'd, you'd kind of kind of carry that spirit into into zines yeah totally and there used to be a very active zine community there which helped um <laughs> did you ever write like not sounding like you and then like as you were writing more then you kind of your personality naturally showed through more in your writing or was that ever an issue for you there have definitely been periods where I've sort of like 
lost my voice with the like the personal zine wanderer that I write there's just been some times where I've been like trying to force it and it just isn't um and I've like scrapped like almost a whole zine just because I was like it's not not how I like just felt not myself or something I noticed that you're writing like like you were saying before with tumblr that it kind of has it's educational in a way that is also friendly and i was curious if that was like a thing that you did sort of consciously in order to get it get stuff across or was is that just kind of something that came naturally does that make sense yeah, I think my whole thing is a little bit that I'm like, if I can be funny and disarming, maybe people will listen to me. You, you talked about this a little bit uh, a, a few minutes ago, but as far as like actually putting together your zines, like do you write stuff and then if you are done with that and then you do art or is it all kind of simultaneous more often? I usually write stuff first. My process is like, I'll get an idea and it will nag at me until I like elaborate on it and brainstorm sort of the structure of a zine. And then I'll write everything that I can for it under like each little heading that I've come up with that are like the bullet points of the zine. And then I usually pull it into a ancient cracked version of photoshop from 2007 uh to do page layout and get an idea of like the pagination how long it's going to be where like images are going to get dropped in and then i'll draw stuff for it i'm usually kind of coming up with ideas of what i'm going to draw as i'm writing it out so yeah so you're so you're going you're going back and forth with with both of them then am i am i understanding that correctly yeah yeah, pretty much. How long does it usually take you to, I know that you have zines of all different lengths. Like one of them was that you sent me was how to support your non-binary family member. And that one was, uh, I don't know, 50 something pages and mm -hmm. mostly, mostly writing. And then there's other ones that are extremely short, but on average, is there a time that it takes you to complete a zine? So for the little mini zines that are just like a page folded, those I usually crank out in like a week um, for something wanderer length, which is usually around 24-ish pages. I'll usually work on for like a month or so. I really like the process of working on a zine. So like if I can stretch it out, I will, because once it's done, then you have to print a bunch of stuff. <laughs> um right see that's the part that that's the part that i hate I, I i like the idea of like making stuff but then it's like man now i gotta now i gotta go to kinko's yep yeah the manufacturing part i like do take some joy in uh but like being a self-employed artist there's way more like bookkeeping and manufacturing uh than uh arting <laughs> unfortunately mm -hmm. Yeah, and I want I I want to I want to get back to that because I I did I did want to talk about the uh, the business aspect of it a little bit, um, but going back to printing, like, do you is there just kind of like 
a shop in Olympia that you send stuff to, or how do you go about, do you print stuff yourself? How do you, how do you go about that process? I do a little bit of both. Um, for the non-binary zine, since it's a bajillion fucking pages, I get that printed at a local copy shop. And it's actually adorable, the woman that has printed thousands of copies for, of that for me has like read it in its entirety now and will be like, I learned so much whenever I come in, mm -hmm. which is very sweet. Um, awesome. But pretty much everything else I just print at home. Okay, and do you do you do all the stapling and all all of that? Does that does the same apply oh, yeah. for the buttons and stickers that you make? Same applies for the buttons, the stickers. I get printed for me. I actually used to uh, before the pandemic. I worked at a sticker retailer, <laughs> which was very convenient. Uh, but then I quit at the beginning of the pandemic. So now I have to get the stickers printed because those machines cost like $10,000. Yeah, I would imagine. So how do you then go about getting your work out there? Or how did you, how did you start getting your work out there once you made the zine? Because like with me, going back to the, uh, the Phoenix shop, when I've made zines in the past, I'll take it to Wasted Ink Zine Distro in Phoenix. I'll be like, can you... Can you carry this? And then Carissa, who works there, will say, yeah. And then I don't know what else to do. <laughs> so what do you do? Firstly, I'm jealous. I really want them to carry my zines. If they're listening, I love Wasted Ink Distro. Um, I, so it's when I started, I moved across. I was like making zines in my hometown and I had just been kind of like giving them out um when i moved to the west coast i had a website where it was just like mail order but people don't really trust that anymore so i eventually made an etsy and was getting zines out that way um and also the first distro to carry me was antiquated future out of portland uh who are very very sweet people and they continue to carry my zines so just like a little bit, like I got a lot of zines out there through Etsy. And then I also st uh, like through zine fests and stuff. I When I moved here, I started organizing Olympia Zine Fest. And I did that for like five years. Um, but yeah, just like a combination of just selling my own stuff online and uh, selling to distros later when I feel like Antiquated Future kind of opened the door for that because now there's like a lot of distros that carry me regularly. Um, but yeah, just a bunch of stuff. You can also just like put zines places. There's like a ton of little free libraries around here. So sometimes I just like disseminate them <laughs> that way. Yeah, I thought it would be interesting to do uh, like the, the chick tracked thing. And then just like, you know how those like little, like super weird little like religious comic books yeah, that are just like, you know, people just like find them on buses and things like that. Oh, it's yeah. just like very, very strange. But I always thought that it would be interesting to do something like that, but for the force of good <laughs> and then just, you know, leave them, leave them random places. With the Olympia Zine Fest, did you already know a lot of people in the zine community before you kind of put that forward or how did you kind of get word out about the Olympia zine fest? So 
starting to co-organize Olympia Zine Fest was actually how I met any people in Olympia. <laughs> I knew like one one or two people when I moved out here. Uh, but that was my whole community for a long time. Because uh, it's hard to make friends as an adult when you move like 2,000 miles away from where you're from. Um, it's hard to make friends as an adult if you live in the same place. Uh <laughs> that's that's my experience but yeah it making friends is hard totally there should be a zine about that i'm sure there is um yeah i'm I'm sure there is but yeah so you made the olympia zine fest and then you just kind of like well i flyers or i what happened was i was like does olympia have a zine fest tell me google and then i found uh like a facebook event link for the first organizing meeting so I went to it. <laughs> okay. And then you kind of just, you know, started started promoting the, the zine fest from there. Yeah, totally. How do you get people to, to come? I've always wondered when like people like organize fests and then people travel to said fest. I don't know how that works. Like, it's just kind of like this person knows this person and then like you just get contacted and then things just kind of snowball a little bit for zine fest it's like almost like touring bands like people will be like i'm from here but i want to attend and then the first couple of years of zine fest we like tried to just like set up people with like olympia folks where they could like crash at their house for like if they're going to be in town for the fest Mm -hmm. um but yeah, how to get people to go to things? I have no fucking idea. And I've been organizing stuff for more than a decade. <laughs> it's always a, like a nice surprise when people show up to the event. Yeah, I don't miss that about I haven't I haven't set up any shows or anything since before COVID. And I definitely don't miss that like uh feeling like right before of like oh, yeah. are people going to show up or or not? That's um, the worst feeling in the world. Um Luckily, yeah. Olympia is really a flyer city still, and I like making flyers, so that's a helpful <laughs> part. I think I've heard that from other people about Olympia. Like they like that's more of a thing than like social media sort of promotion. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there is bless God bless flyers Olympia on Instagram because they're doing uh like so much work to keep all of the cool events on the internet but yeah it's very easy to just like walk around downtown and find flyers for shows that you want to go to why do you think flyers are more prominent in olympia than other places that's a good question it could uh, it's like probably because of the rich zine history here is my Mm. best guess um i like it though at any rate yeah, and there's kind of like a DIY music sort of history of it that it would make sense that like flyers would still be kind of a, a cherished thing there more than other places. That makes sense. So let's say somebody wanted to, because you brought up how this is this is your job. Yeah. It's just making making art, making zines, buttons, stickers, and I I have no idea how any of that works when I have tried looking into it a little bit, I just get distracted. 
So I, I have no business sense at all as far as how to make a living doing any sort of art. So what do I need? Tell me what I need to know in order to <laughs> make it make or anybody tell anybody who's listening what they what you think they need to know in order to make this a, a successful financial enterprise or successful enough that like it can be a job. Well, you should have a partner who has a real job. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, step one, I do okay. I like pretty much break even on my existence, but to do that, I work a lot. Um, I have like cobbled together a bunch of different side hustles so like I have my I, I hate Etsy but I have Etsy which is a large chunk of my income um I have my own website with a shop which is a, another like fairly decent chunk of my income I do a patreon that has a zine subscription so every time that I make a new zine it goes out to patrons first I have uh, Redbubble, which I also hate, but it's passive income where you just like upload your art and then they do fulfillment. They like put it on shirts and what have you. Uh, what else do I do? Wholesaling is a big thing for like distros and bookstores and stuff. Uh, yeah. And then just like, I, I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> just like any opportunity that I can find to make a little bit of money. I sometimes do commissions, but I really don't like doing commissions unless it's for like friends. So basically just like the list of places that people put up art, the, the ones that you can find just kind of, even if they kind of suck, just kind of like going through it and putting up as many as you can, putting up stuff in as many as you can. And then just, people will will find it through the magic of of the internet and gravitate towards it am i am i understanding that correctly pretty much yes i forgot i also do threadless and i have also have society six which are two other sites that are like Redbubble but less bad <laughs> i wanted to talk a little bit about your organization process which i'm sure is a very exciting topic <laughs> um I, I we were we started talking about doing this podcast uh, a few weeks ago, and there was very um, set periods of time, windows of time in which you could do it. Um, even though you are a self-employed person, so you make your own schedule to an extent. So I, which I get, like because my brain kind of works somewhat similarly, where like even stuff where I can kind of do it on my own time, like I have like windows of time in my head as far as like, okay, but this is when I'm actually going to do it. Cause otherwise it's going to just be like, you know, chaos or whatever. Like my brain is just going to go in a million different directions. So tell me a little bit about how you organize all this stuff. So I am so prone to overworking and burnout. Uh, and I have like a pretty strict schedule for myself because of that, because if I don't, I'll be like, let me just do one more thing. I'm like constantly trying to make life easier for future Alyssa at the expense of present Alyssa. Um, so that is why <laughs> I have very narrow windows of time for stuff. Uh, but like, so because I'm doing so many 
different projects, I sort of like dedicate different days of the week to different jobs because crafter DIY is like my only paying job. But then there's like, oh, I have 10 do DIY emails. Like I answer those on Fridays, <laughs> like, or I have uh, Mondays are like my day to meet with my friends because we're trying to open an all ages venue in Olympia. And like Wednesday is the day that I have off for me and don't schedule anything on and have like no, like don't subject myself to any obligations because I like need a day <laughs> mm -hmm. to just not do anything. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of calendars and planners and spreadsheets involved um, and sort of like different times chunked out for like different types of work. So you kind of started that purpose, like you, you weren't doing all of that at first, but then burnout became so severe that you kind of had to like devise a system where you could like make it work and th thus lessen the burnout. Yeah, absolutely. Because if I don't, if I'm not very uh, strict with myself, I just will work, which is like such a weird problem to have. <laughs> no, but that makes sense. I mean, especially because I'm sure that it like affects the work itself if you're burned out or even just like your ability to be you know a nice person to people or nice to yourself i'm i've been burnt out like most of the time uh the the, the last while and i i often wonder with myself as far as like the desire to like push past that and make stuff or whatever how much of that is like I, there's obviously like the love of doing that thing but then i suspect there's also capitalism that's kind yeah. of like seeping into my brain and being like if you're not like doing productive stuff right now then like you're not you're not worthy even though i don't i don't logically believe that but i think that that's that's kind of seeping through a lot of the time you're 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 saying that that's also the case with you yeah it was it was capitalism all along because yep. it's a little bit like I enjoy working and I like feel so privileged to be able to like do this stuff that I actually care about as work. But that's such a double edged sword, because if I do push past the point where I feel like I need to stop, then I just like I had like a whole month last year where I just like had to take time off and was just like haunting my own house. <laughs> Mm -hmm. because I like needed to rest so badly I was like hmm why can't I sleep or keep track of the days like uh and my yeah I just at the insistence it wasn't even me that made the decision to take the break it was like at the insistence of all of the people who care about me <laughs> um so it is it's like also you can't pour from an empty cup so when I get to that place of burnout like I'm not making art that's for fucking sure um and I've noticed that now that I've been taking resting like way more seriously, that I feel more creative. <laughs> how should I, how should I rest more? Like, what do you, what do you think would like be a good, cause, cause if you're, if you're like me, then it seems like resting was, is not like a natural, like you're, you're, you're kind of making yourself rest to, to some extent so that you can function but what's what's a what's a good method for because oftentimes when I'm like resting, quote unquote, then I'm just like not doing things that are really replenishing me either. Yeah, that's that's the hardest part. I feel like is like it's 
possible to not work but also not be resting <laughs> right um i draw i've drawn a lot of inspiration from a book called how to not always be working uh which is by cody cook parrot but the book name is under marley grace um and that's been super helpful in like just trying to parse like what is actually like regenerative resting time to me versus just like not working time um and th the way that i rest is mostly by watching television <laughs> um which is great and like putting my phone in a different room what uh what shows i my favorite thing to do is watch like 90s movies <laughs> uh shows very I have like another thing I have is insomnia so I have like a really uh long bedtime routine that involves several different shows and ends with like a show that is comforting that I've seen a hundred times Yeah, I know. I, I, I've, I've heard more recently about people doing that where they just like kind of put on something that they're extremely familiar with as like almost like background noise, the way people listen to like rain sounds or whatever to help them fall asleep. I, I, I was doing that for a little bit with Batman, the animated series. Um, so, yeah, tell me, I, I asked you to. give me a song and a book and a film and or anything else, any other art form or whatever that has been particularly inspirational to you as an artist. Uh, you did just list a book. I don't know if you had another book in mind, but did you give those Oh, that's questions? the book. That's the book. All right. So we got that one out of the way. Uh, are there any other uh, artistic <laughs> works that you want to give a shout out to at this juncture? it's hard to pick like a song because music is hugely influential to my art in general but if I had to pick one it would be some song by Elliot Smith Why, why him? uh I just love Elliot Smith he's probably he's been my favorite musician for probably a decade and probably will be for a decade more uh just the way first of all he's an incredibly talented guitarist and I'm just a sucker for like folky finger picking stuff um but just like the way that he sings I just I love music where it feels like somebody's like telling you a secret <laughs> or you're like sitting on the end of their bed while they like play guitar. Um, what about, what about a movie? It's so hard to pick a movie like I love movies, but I don't feel like they necessarily inform my art so much. I feel inclined to say hackers because I'm about to watch that with my friend for our birthday. <laughs> Happy early birthday. Thank you. Or late birthday. I don't know when your birthday is. Whenever Early birthday. your birth. All right. Happy early birthday. Well, is there anything else before we before we stop recording that <laughs> uh, you want anyone to know about? Anything else you're working on? Any other bits of advice? Anything else about yourself? Any questions for me? What else do you want to talk about? Let me think. Whenever I'm asked a direct question, I feel like I my brain is like, how about you just have no thoughts? <laughs> um. I'm I I I'm the same way. I I. I... 
write out questions in advance for uh for this podcast so that I don't sound like like a douche but just like <laughs> thinking of thinking of questions off the top of my head and uh yeah some sometimes I'll I'll send people I forget if I offered to send you questions in advance but and I'm I'm sorry if I didn't because I try to remember to do that but yeah my brain blanks out at questions too so I understand Totally. I guess I should probably say, uh, wear a mask and, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> thank people who book shows and events because it's a lot of work. All right. And yeah, thank you. Thank you again for, for your work with, uh, with do DIY. What, what is, what does that look like? That sort of upkeep, like, do you just like get a lot of emails from, up and coming venues or from venues that are saying we don't we're not doing this anymore or what's what's that all been like i wish i got more emails that were like we're not doing this anymore uh right now i like need to start the spring cleaning process where i go through the thousands of listings on the site and check to see if they are active or not mm -hmm. um but it's a lot of me getting emails and a lot of me emailing people just like because I'm in the loop, I'll see like a new venue and I'll check and make sure it's not listed. And then I will be like, please be on my website. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and usually people are like, fuck yeah. Thank you so much for talking with me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been great. Hello, listener. You are currently being hypnotized. You will donate to this podcast at venmo.com backslash the creative curmudgeon. Thank you for your time. So long.